We had mentioned already that uh, Trace and I were away this week in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We usually do that a couple times a year. Uh, for us, we call that our church. We, we get to go like you have come this morning and have come to church uh, to hear a word, hopefully to be encouraged, exhorted, sometimes corrected, rebuked, but you just want to hear from God. And, and it's, it's a good thing to be able to sit and just receive. And so for us, we have to find a place that we're able to uh, do that. And so these last few years, um, whether it be through the network of related pastors or whether it be through a Bethany World Prayer Center, um, we just found a home. And so a couple, at least a couple times a year, we do our best to, to get out that direction. And this time was just as awesome as all the other times are. Every time I go, I get out of the first meeting and I say I could go home now and it was worth every penny that we spent to get here. Um, but every service was just impactful. Music is always just tremendous. Um, but the, the conference theme was called Remnant. And Remnant means basically a, a how would you say it? Just a, a small, maybe quantity of people who are holding fast to that which is good. I don't know if that's the proper definition, but that's, that's as good as a one as I can come up with on my, on my toes right now. Um, but it was a Remnant conference. There, there really wasn't a Remnant there. There were a thousand pastors that had gathered for the conference, and of course many other people associated with Bethany attended as well, and so the services were always well attended. And basically it had to do with restoring uh, integrity to the ministry. Um, I mean, you're well aware of the fact that, that we have seen, I mean, how many notable national ministers, ministries collapse and crumble. I, I mean, we see just what gets put on television and on Dateline and on cable news channels when a notable minister ministry fails. Um, that doesn't count all the, I don't know whether you want to call it lower level ministry or just, just ministry that takes place in, in that which is not in the national spotlight that, that crumbles and falls and fails. And, and so uh, it is a point of concern. Because we're living in an era where it seems like we see more and more and more of that take place. And how many of you know this morning that if God can take one leader out, he can give a rippling effect to the body. He, if he can take one out, he can probably take a hundred out by that one fall. Yes, he can. Now, I realize we aren't supposed to put our leaders on pedestals and, and, and we understand that, you know, they're men and women, and they put their clothes on the same way we do. But at the same time, there is spiritual influence there. There is impact there. That's why it's leadership. They give leadership there. And if they fail and it doesn't work for them, what does that say to everyone else? And so if, if leaders are getting divorced, if leaders are, are falling into sins of immorality and other abuses, if they're falling into all these things, what does that say with regards to the rest of us who aren't at their notable position? What it says is one of two things. Either I can't do it because they can't do it or because they get away with it, I get away with it. Amen. We got a little bit of a loop here on the sound, guys. It might be in the monitor. So we got a little bit of a loop. So we went and were exhorted to that and uh, just had some wonderful input in our lives. I took two or three notebook pages of input, not only I received from what was being shared, but how many of you know when you hear a word or a message, there's a, another one sometimes that's moving in your mind too that God's talking to you about. So 
Anyway, we had uh, a lot of great ministry, and it was a great week, and we always miss not being around and seeing everyone. Heard Noah did a great job in the middle of the week, so we appreciate him in that regard. But uh, just a great, great week, and just wanted to give you a short report. Well, we've been in a series entitled, What Happened? In fact, all of the month of March, we're going to be talking about what happened at certain certain moments along Christ's walk during that last Passion Week, we call it. We're moving closer and closer to Resurrection Sunday. And I mentioned to you last week, I can't go over everything. So you can hit iTunes or go buy you a CD and catch up. But I mentioned to you last week how sometimes we just are preaching along and we get to the cross or we get to the resurrection and we just sort of hit it because it's familiar to everybody And I know for me, I'm always trying to find a new angle or a new way to teach it or communicate it to make it fresh. But I I just felt like it was the Lord that this year we were to take the month of March and I was going to explore in a much greater and more detailed way some of the events and happenings that were taking place over that last week or so of Christ's life and deal with it through the whole month of March, especially as it relates to the inner man. We've been talking about the inner man now since the first of the year. And so some of this to you will sound a lot like doctrine. Now I want everyone to say this. Say with me, doctrine is not a dirty word. <laughs> it's good for you. Amen. It is the why, it is the how, it is the what of Christianity. And for some of you, the reason Christianity isn't working is because you don't understand how, what, and why. You you know sort of superficially the stories, but you never got in to understand how it affects you, how it works in you, how you're to access it, and what it really means. Many people say, I know God, I've accepted Christ, I'm a believer, and yet, can we just be real transparent and candid? There are people who call themselves Christian, and yet there's not one twit bit of difference between them and the world. It doesn't work any better for them than it does for the people that go and uh, listen to Deepak Chopra, or whatever his name is. I don't know what his name is. Is that his name? Deepak. I don't know who Deepak is. I think he's got a little Hindu in him there. But, I mean, he's, he'll load up a studio and just talk to people. And, and, and they'll listen and they'll implement. But there's not one bit of difference in those of us who say we know the truth. And yet those who maybe hold to a false religion or those who hold to the world or any one of a number of other things. And the reason, as we mentioned last week again, is that I told you I believe we've been sold a bill of goods. I believe you and I have been sold some concepts that just aren't true. We've been sold these goods through our traditions. We've been sold these goods through religion. Jesus didn't come to establish a religion. He came to give us his life. That's not religion. Some of it has been through the devil and through error and the world. And the result is we've become mere men and mere women. And that is not the heart of God. He has desired sons and daughters of God. He has desired people who, as they walk their life out in the earth, there is a distinguishable difference. Yes, there's a distinguishable difference in their character, a distinguishable difference in their holiness, a distinguishable difference in their integrity, and a distinguishable difference in their supernatural ability, a distinguishable difference in power. 
All of these things encompass who we are as sons and daughters of God. Isn't that good news? So doctrine is not boring. It's not irrelevant. It's the putting together of these these pieces. It's the putting together of some precept that gets Christianity working like it was designed to work in your life. Jesus said in John 10.10, The thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That is the devil's plan for your life. I'm going to get to this a little bit more here in just a moment. But Satan is out to kill you. Can you say, I get it? He's out to kill you. Understand that. If you aren't serving God, it's like what Bob, what is it, Bob Dylan? You you know, I'm going to serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but I'm going to serve somebody. And you need to understand that if you're serving the enemy, he's out to kill you. But Jesus said, praise God, but I have come that they might have life and that more abundantly. Super abundant, excessive, full to overflowing, more than you can contain. I want to get there. And I want you to get there too. So let's talk this morning about what happened at the cross. What happened at the cross? Are you at 1 Corinthians chapter 1? Have you found it? 1 Corinthians 1, beginning with verse 18, it says this For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For the Jews request a sign, Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews, a stumbling block, and to the Greeks, foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. I wanted to read that because it was Paul who perhaps had the greatest revelation of the cross. And we're going to talk this morning about what happened at the cross. You know, many people are familiar with the cross. You see crosses down front here at our sanctuary. And we're familiar with the cross as a symbol. We see people wearing crosses. We We can see even despicable uh, rock stars and celebrities who will sing songs and and be in movies that are absolutely antithetical to the things of God, and yet they'll be wearing a cross. And, And so we are familiar with the symbol of the cross, but the problem is, while we know the symbol and sort of know the story, we've not received a revelation. We've not gotten an unveiling of the cross. You see, there's a big difference between information and revelation. You can know a lot about the facts of the story. You can know a lot about what happened during that last week of Jesus' life. But that doesn't mean that you have the power that Paul speaks of when it comes to the cross. Now, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, you can write this down, or if your fingers are quick, you can find it. But in 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, beginning with verse 1, Paul says some things here that I just want to mention As we get started this morning, 2 Timothy 3 verse 1, it says this. But know this, that in last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves. Everyone say that's selfish. 
Yeah. Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. I I thought he'd never end right there. I mean, he just kept on going. But verse 5, it reads, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. From such people turn away. For of this sort, it says, are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts. I oftentimes think verse 6 has to deal with what we get through the television, but I'll just, I'll just leave those comments off to the side for a moment. It says in verse 7, always learning... And never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Paul says that in last days, things are going to get tough, fierce, savage, that word actually means. In fact, he gives us a list here and he says that sin, which at its root, as you will recall, and I've taught this before, sin at its root is selfishness. He says selfishness would manifest in all these different ways we just read to you. In fact, he said it will manifest in some of the most egregious forms. People would be so dominated by their senses and their need to fulfill their senses and empower their senses that the very days that you and I are living in, and how many of you know we are living in the last days? I believe that. I believe these are last days. And the darkness is getting darker, but the light is getting brighter. But Paul says that these very days would be dangerous, And they'd be hard to deal with. But the most fascinating thing, I think, in that whole second Timothy chapter three chapter is, is the final point that I read to you. It's the one he's making. He says this, all these things will be taking place. It'll be fierce. It'll be savage. It'll be difficult. It'll be tough. But hear me, it won't stop them from going to church. They'll still go to church. That's what he says. He says they're going to go and have a form. Some of your versions will say a form of religion. Some will say a form of righteousness, a form of godliness. There'll be, there'll be some sort of an attachment to the things of God. But there's going to be, he says, no power in it. There won't be, there won't be a power to see them really set free, a power that will cause them to walk supernaturally, a power that will give them that distinguishable edge in the earth that being a son or a daughter of God would make you be. He said, they'll go to church, don't misunderstand that, but there'll be no power in what's happening. In fact, he says, they will be ever learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Can I just... Can I just give you sort of a transliteration there? He said that they'll hear, they'll hear the Bible sometimes, they'll hear some scripture, they'll hear some teaching, but they'll never get a revelation. It'll never go, I get it. The light will never turn on. There'll never be that moment where it clicks and they go, I I see it, I get it. They'll be ever learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Isn't that, isn't that today? I, I mean, come on now. Let's just, come on, don't, don't be quiet on me right now. If I get up your tree, just say amen, all right? It'll be okay. Isn't that today? I mean, we've got churches that have got it all boiled down to total service time of 35 minutes. 
You can come to church, go to church for 35 minutes. In fact, they call it, this is what it's called out there. It's called express lane worship. Express lane. It's kind of like getting, I guess, your fast food, although fast food doesn't seem so fast anymore, but it's like you can, you can get your fast food. Can I just share this with you though? If you eat McDonald's, anybody ever see supersize me? And the dude just ate McDonald's for 30 days and the doctor told him after two weeks to quit because he said your cholesterol levels and your blood levels and the stuff that's running through you right now is so toxic that if you go on for 30 days eating at McDonald's three times a day like you are doing, it will kill you. And, and McDonald's sued the dude for putting that on the movie theater, but they didn't win because it was the truth. Can you imagine if that's what it does in our natural body to get into the express lane and eat that all the time? How much more would it be in our spiritual man? You go and everything's carefully orchestrated every second. We watch, we will sit at home and watch a three hour sports event. You will go to a football game, a basketball game, a sports outing, and we will sit for three hours and watch that event. But God forbid should church go over one hour. One hour is all I got. You need to ask yourself, am I giving anything more than I'm giving God? We are watching, I believe, and this is, this is thus saith Kevin, all right? So you just, you can kind of receive it at that level. But we are watching before our very eyes the rise of the apostate church. Yes, we are. It appeals to your senses. It empowers your senses. It'll give you every sort of sensory experience imaginable. It'll give you things for your eyes, things for your ears, put it on the screen, put it in front of you. All of these things, hear me now, they have their place. I've got no problem with using anything and everything to communicate. But the problem is that when it's all said and done, if it does not reveal to you how to access true power, if you can't demonstrate true power in the midst of that, then it's the church of the natural. It's the church of the natural, and God has called us to be the church of the supernatural. One that walks not in the flesh, but one that walks in the spirit. And I've come to this conclusion as I'm just sharing this. It's either, it's either folks have become ignorant, or they're willfully avoiding, I think, two things. The first one is the place of the Holy Spirit in the earth today. We can no longer avoid the place of the Holy Spirit in our church, we can't put him in the closet. We can't put him in the back room. Dear God, it's amazing to me how we want to put the Holy Spirit in the closet, but everything else is getting out of the closet. I mean, we'll make everybody comfortable. And I'm not, I'm not saying I don't want to alienate you. I'm not beating you up. I'm not trying to find a way to somehow to make you feel, you know, just alienated. But why is it we'll make everybody in any conceivable sin feel good about themselves? We don't want to alienate them, but we're going to put the Holy Ghost in the closet. Come on. That's not right. Their only hope in life is that Holy Spirit. Who can come to them in power and set them free and open their eyes and lead them into a new day. That's their only hope. You can't put him back there thinking somehow we're going to sneak it in on him somewhere. You know, somewhere along the way, 
You know, we'll just figure out some way to sneak it in on them. We'll kind of offer it on a Wednesday. You know, those classes on deliverance, those classes on the Holy Spirit. We'll put them kind of off to the side and, and maybe they'll trip into it somehow. Maybe they'll just be stumble bumbling around thinking they're going to find the coffee bar and they get in deliverance 101. How many of you know we drink coffee here too? I put the coffee up front and I put the Holy Ghost up front. That's just my feeling. We got to we got to have the spirit of God in our midst. That's that's my only hope. We can't live without him. But the second reason is that we've lost the place and the power and the real reason for the cross. I'm going to challenge you this morning. I'm going to share just a couple of things with you that, and I told you last week, I'm going to get up your religious tree and I'm going to shake it a little bit because we've been taught some things and we've been told some things that we're just going to keep looking at the word of God. And how many of you know, if it's not in the word, it's out, but if it's in the word, I embrace it. But before I get to that, I need to talk about sin. Amen. I've been on sin in a few weeks. Those of you that come to Legacy or right now, you're putting on your seatbelts right now. Oh God, pastors on sin. What's the big deal about sin? Let me just share something with you and hopefully it'll be entertaining enough that'll keep your attention. Most people know that the cross has something to do with sin. They usually have that. Somehow cross, sin, somehow or another, this stuff works together. But before we explore the cross's effect on sin. It's important, I think, to see how most people feel about sin or about the avoidance of sin. Now, understand, you know, whether sin is the most egregious of happenings that we could paint a picture for you today, or whether it's just a little white lie that doesn't seem like much. It doesn't matter at what end of the scale we're talking about. We all know that sin has something to do with selfishness. It has something to do with missing the will of God. And for most people, they have, they have, they have already worked through their theories of how sin kind of works in their life and affects their life. And I think I put about five that I want to flash on the screen here for just a moment. So what's the big deal about sin? Number one, some people's view of sin is this, and that is, that it's fun. And if I quit sinning, you're taking away my fun. Can I share a verse with you? The Bible says there is pleasure in sin for a season. The Bible says that you're right. It's fun. There's some sin that's fun. Can I tell you why it's, some sin is fun? It's because it emboldens and goes straight to your senses. And you are so dominated by your senses that when your senses feel good, life's good. And I'm feeling good about what's going on. This is fun. And I want to have fun. And, and you know, if I go to church or I hear a message or, you know, it, all that stuff takes away my fun. And I don't think life, you know, shouldn't be fun. And so instantly their doctrine revolves around fun. God wants me to have fun. Life should be fun. In fact, we've determined even in the church world, we're going to figure out ways to keep it fun. Now, Fun is fun. But the key to fun is it must lead you to that which ultimately not only gives you fun, but gives you joy. And that fun, if it leads you to death, is no good. 
You can snort your cocaine and have fun, but after a while, when it burns out your nasal cavity and you're addicted and you lose your money, your job, your family, and you're thrown in jail because you shot somebody trying to get more money for a fix, how many of you know the fun stops somewhere in that equation? It happens no matter what the sin is. The fun eventually stops. Number two is, this is just people's view of sin. It's okay, or it should be okay, as long as I'm not hurting anyone. Some of you have heard this. I'm not hurting anybody. It's sort of like God's okay with it as long as it's consensual. As long as I can do it myself, or if I am dragging someone else in it, they're consenting to it. And why should God care? And so that's some people's view of sin. Well, I'm not hurting anybody. Oh, God, if I'm not hurting anybody, why should anybody even be in my business? There's a third reason. Well, you know, those things, those sin rules stuff, they're unrealistic for a human being. Oh, it's just unrealistic. I'm a human being. And you know what? You just can't expect those kind of things out of a human being. I mean, they just, they can't do any more than that. I, I am so tired of, of living life at the lowest common denominator. I'm tired of listening to people say, well, I'm just, you know, I'm just a man. I'm just a woman. I mean, no, you're not. You're not just a. You are a son or a daughter of God if you've come in contact with the cross. Are you with me? So you've you got to get the just out. Number four, whatever you're doing, this, this act or this habit or this desire, well, that's just who I am. Just who I am. Now, now again, I'm, I, 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 could, I could go into all sorts of things the Bible says. You're, you're no longer, you don't live any longer, Galatians 2.20. It says, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It's not just who you are. If it's just who you are, then you haven't met the Christ who lives in you. Amen. And then finally, number, number five, this is the best one. Well, God knows my heart. I know, I've, you know, you violate every command in the scripture, but God knows my heart. And because God knows your heart, you're okay. Now, you, you defile yourself, you disobey, you sin, but God knows your heart. Yeah. And he also sees your life. Are you with me? Now, all of these things, I'm just kind of knocking these things out here to tell you this is what people think. And this is how they deal with sin. Because when we talk about the cross and this subject, they'll automatically get defensive and they'll say, you don't get it. You don't understand. God sees the heart. Well, the Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And if you're speaking, if you're speaking like the world, then what's in you? See, I mean, this. Connecting dots here. But the question I always had was this. Why would God define some things as sin? Why would he do that? Now, I, I want to I talk to you about the real deal about sin. L listen to me now. If you go back to the garden and you got Adam and Eve and the whole garden incident, we all know how it worked that God planted trees in the garden, two trees in particular, one of which he said, stay away from. It was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I've heard a lot of exposition and a lot of interesting things about this but i'm, I'm going to boil it down making it real simple eve <clears throat> the bible says was beguiled by the serpent she partook of the fruit handed it to adam adam ate the fruit and all of a sudden the whole thing goes into this cataclysmic uproar now i want you to just remember the story and then let's just tr translate it up to the 21st century and let's do it this way what is the big deal about eating an apple What's the big deal about getting an orange? 
What's the big deal about eating a pear? I mean, I just ate a pear. How could that get you in trouble? What's the big deal of taking drugs? What's the big deal of smoking a little weed just here and there? Just sort of takes the edge off. What's the big deal about getting a buzz off my drinking? What's the big deal, you know, about lying? What's the big deal about just, and, and you put anything you want in there, but let's, let's make sure we make it just as incredibly outlandish as possible because that's exactly what God gave us. What's the big deal about eating a banana? Can everybody relate to that saying, my God, how much trouble could a banana get you into? I mean, what's, what's an apple going to do to me? What's a pear going to do? It just, it seems silly. It seems outlandish. Listen to me. It's not the fruit. It's what the fruit does to you. It took Adam and Eve out of their spirit walk and caused them to be bound or dominated by their senses. Remember what it says. Eve looked at it and it said it did seem good to the eyes. It did seem pleasing. Obviously, it tasted good enough to hand it to her husband. But what it did was, it's not that it's just this fruit. It's it's the power of the fruit to lock you in to be dominated by your senses. To be carnal means to be dominated, to be ruled by your senses. And any sin empowers your natural senses. Any sin. Any sin empowers and moves you away from God's plan for supernatural existence. It moves you away and causes you to to be locked into the sense man. The natural man. I want you to remember that when Adam was created... He was the first Adam, and he was created to do everything that Jesus did, and Jesus was created to do everything that Adam could do. But not after Adam took the fruit cocktail. So you can look and say, what's wrong with a beer every now and then? I'm not going to sit here and argue with people anymore about you wanting a little beer every now and then. I don't, if that's, if you want to live as mere men, do it. But don't expect supernatural results because you're empowering senses. Are you with me? I know people don't want to hear this in America because they just want to live under the doctrine of forgiveness. But that's why they raise the dead in third world countries. And here in America, we're wondering how we're going to get universal health care because we couldn't raise a gnat's wing up. Amen. Amen. We'll pay a gajillion dollars in our taxes to make sure we can get people to the hospital when all we'd have to do is learn how to access some supernatural input in our life and maybe we wouldn't need as much health care. Maybe all of America would say, you know what? We'll take them to the church. They can get you healed down there at that church. They can get you fixed up there at that church, but they can't do that. So we'll elect a president. I don't know how they'll do it, but we'll get health care for everybody going on because we can't do what we've been called to do. Amen. I'm never going to convince people. I realize it. I'll never convince people to watch what they watch on TV. I'll never convince people to change channels, watch what movies you go see. I'll never convince anybody. I won't convince people. 
not to have sex outside of a covenant. I understand that. I'll never convince them not to do it. They're going to keep right on doing what they do because they are so dominated by their senses that they're going to live their life as mere men and women, never realizing that if they would function under covenant and understand that God wants to cause their inner man to arise to such a dimension that they could actually be supernatural in the earth. I realize you say, well, I don't see it anywhere. I know you don't. We're Americans. But somebody's got to start looking at Americans and saying we are living below what we could live in. I understand you can go to Russia, Nicaragua, you can go to Uganda in Africa, you can go to these third world countries, and no, they don't have 465 television channels like you got. No, they don't have three cars sitting in the driveway like you got. No, they can't go down to the grocery store and buy so much food, your 10,000 calories a day over what you should be putting inside of you. They can't do that, but they sure enough can raise the dead. They got miracles out the wazoo. Is that anoint? Can you anoint wazoo, Lord? But not in America. See, we were create, we were created for so much more. We were created for so much more. And, 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 and yet we're empowered to turn to that channel. We're empowered. We're empowered to go to the website. We're empowered to take the clothes off. We're empowered to drink the one beer. All I'm going to have is one. We're just empowered. And then we wonder why we're mere men and mere women. And God just sits and shakes his head. And goes, it doesn't have to be this way. See, sin isn't God's arbitrary list of what you can and cannot do. He just didn't design a list one day and say, oh, let me just see how I can take away their fun, screw up their life, and just make them overall miserable. That's not what God did. He said, I'm going to tell you what your fruit is. And you keep away from the fruit, and it will keep you in the spirit. But the instant you taste of that fruit, it will drag you back into mere man and mere womanhood. And you've got to make up your mind where it is you're going. See, because it it causes me really no more, no more pain. If you're not going there, I love you. I want you to keep being here. I want to keep teaching you because I'll believe and be the optimist that God will open your eyes. But I, I can't make that decision for you. I can't beat you in it. I can't even preach you into it. You must get a revelation of that. God must come and open your eyes to that reality like he has for many of us. And And those eyes will be opened and then we will begin to see what it is we could be. And when you walk by the Spirit and when you realize that is available for me, then you'll find the place of healing. Then you'll find the place of deliverance. Then you'll find the place of prosperity. Then you'll find the place of abundance and success. You'll find that place. I'll assure you, not based on what I'm telling you, but based on what this is telling me. You'll find that place. I want you to find that place. God wants you to find that place. And that's why he sent his son to die on this cross. That's where the cross comes in. And let me give you just a couple of the real reasons for the cross here. Most, most Christians, at least in America, have only an understanding of one or two areas of what the cross is all about. I'm going to give you what most of our areas, and here's the good news. The good news is, you're right. The two things I'm going to share with you right now is not that they aren't right, it's just that's where they stop. The first thing is this. The cross, in most Americans' mind was there to forgive me. And so we look at the cross, and for most of us we know that God sent his son to die on a cross because we needed forgiveness for our sin. And certainly the cross 
has an aspect of forgiveness that is related to it. Certainly a part of his death, a part of what we call the atonement, or the at-one-ment, or the, or the causing of, of man through Jesus Christ to be restored to the Father, a part of, of, the, of the divine plan was that we would find forgiveness there in the cross, so that is true, and that is right, and that is accurate. But I want you to know, and I put the references up here, Luke 5, 20 through 24, and Luke 7, 48, I'm not going to read them to you, but they, you, can, you can read them later, but you will find there two separate accounts of Jesus dealing with people, looking at them before the cross event took place, saying a phrase something like this, in order that you might know that the Son of Man has power to forgive sins on the earth, thy sins be forgiven. Now the reason I tell you that is this, that Jesus forgave sins long before he went to the cross. Now you need to get that in your spirit. Because if that's all you stop at, you really haven't embraced all that the cross means. You see, because, because God can forgive, and he did forgive without the cross. He forgave all through the old covenant without a cross. Now granted, they were faithing forward to this event. I understand that. I understand that every lamb that was slain, every goat, every bull that was brought for a sacrifice was an illustration of what God would one day do in the perfect lamb, Jesus, slain before the foundation of the world. I understand that. But you need to get this because I'm trying to make a point that I'm getting to is that if all you see is forgiveness, then you have limited what this cross is all about. If that's all you see, you're back to the bumper sticker again. You know, we're not perfect, just forgiven. That's where they live. They show everybody they're not perfect. And they get forgiveness a lot. And that means nothing to the world. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I know there's a moment that may, guilt may arise and they're wanting to find some sense of forgiveness. But, it, but if it doesn't change you, what good is it? The second thing most people know, just because we've been taught so much, is that somehow or another the cross took away my judgment. I know that somehow when I come to Jesus and that cross gets involved in this whole thing that's going on, I know that the judgment of what was to come to me isn't going to come to me anymore. And so the cross sort of becomes that, that movie moment where there's, there's this killer about ready to shoot somebody, and, and as he shoots the gun to kill somebody, there's another person who jumps in front of the bullet. And so Jesus becomes the guy in your life who takes the bullet. And we kind of know that. We kind of know that, yeah, he took probably what was deserving to me. And, and, and again, this is accurate. He took the judgment. And those things are true. And, and I'm not trying to belittle that point. It's an important point. But for many people, that's again all they're at. They, they, well, I'm forgiven and now I don't have to go to hell. Hallelujah. I've got my fire insurance policy. <laughs> Didn't even cost me anything. Ha. In fact, since it's a free gift, I don't, I don't have to do anything. Don't have to tithe. Don't have to give. Don't hardly have to come to church. You know, there's a lot of doctrine like that out there now. There's a lot of doctrine out there. Once you've accepted Christ, you can just live like you want because you're safe, secure forever. Don't you worry about it. Do what you want because it's a free gift. Dude, you need to look at your Bible again. Because I'll find you five-point Calvinists that'll get in your face on that one. He didn't die so you could just do what you wanted to do. He died so you could live for him. Amen. That's good preaching. I'm glad. That's good preaching. You're doing good today, Kevin. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. I, amen. But that's where we leave it. 
Now, I understand I'm teaching you today and, and teaching needs to be absorbed. But there are two other aspects, and these are the aspects, I believe, personally, that get overlooked. Most people have these first two, but now there are these second two, which contain what I believe is an important component of the cross that sometimes gets overlooked. Number one is this. The cross canceled the curse of the carnal. Say that ten times, all right? The cross, no, not really. The cross canceled the curse of the carnal. And remember what I mean by carnal. What I mean by carnal is the domination that takes place of your senses. Your senses lead you down paths that are continually, continually taking you down a wrong road. And the cross breaks that, breaks the power of the carnal. In Galatians 3.13, we teach this in um, Encounter. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So here we are as a natural man or a natural woman. We're under the dominion of the senses. And that's a part of the curse. That's what happened when Adam and Eve partook of the fruit. They put within our DNA, they put within our genes... This, this curse of being drawn by our senses. And your senses are really a part of the curse. And so the cross comes in order that when you embrace it, there's a breaking of that need. And you can be released in order to fulfill what God instructs us to be as those who walk in the power of the Spirit. Do you realize how many Christians there are in the world we live today that are under the dominion of their senses? And they have not embraced the power of the cross. Maybe they've embraced forgiveness. Maybe they understand the judgment f- factor in it. But there's, there's a power in the cross that can transform you or release you from being dominated by everything that's being flashed at you. I understand we live in a tough old world. You can't get 20 steps down the road before something isn't flashed at you. Trying to solicit your senses. You can't drive on the interstate. You got billboards. You can't channel surf hardly. You got commercials. You can't watch the Super Bowl. Dear God, they'll have a wardrobe malfunction in front of your face. I mean, you can't go in. You can't go to the grocery store. Can't do this. Can't do that. You're going to have to understand you can't get away from the enemy and the world soliciting your senses. But you're going to have to stay close to the cross because it cancels that stuff. Jesus says, instead of getting a sniff of that perfume, why don't you get a sniff of that blood? Boy, that's good. That just comes to me just like that. That's the Holy Ghost right there. Amen. Number two. The cross restored the rightful place of dominion. I read to you last week, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. I want this verse to get inside of you. You memorize it. It's been unveiled to you. He became sin. He became sin in order that you might become the righteousness of God. I'm going to teach covenant in the upcoming weeks. It'll probably be in April or May sometime. But let me just say this. In a covenant ceremony, two people would come together and they would make all kinds of exchanges. They'd exchange their their cloaks, they'd exchange their weapons, they'd exchange their belts, they'd exchange names. They, 
They, they go through this great exchange ceremony. And in that covenantal ceremony, basically what they were saying is everything that you have is now mine. Everything that I have is now yours. Everything that you are is now mine. Everything that I am is yours. You know, a marriage ceremony is the last vestige of covenant we have in our current society. And we don't handle that all that well. That's why you see all these exchanges. We exchange rings. We exchange vows. We exchange words and promises. Even to this day, at times, the woman will take upon the man's name, and so there'll be a name exchange that takes place. It, it, it all images those ancient covenant ceremonies. But you need to understand that it was a real deal, because what it said was, if this covenant's broken, then, then, then let me die. Because it's serious. Covenant is serious. And so when you enter into this relationship with Jesus Christ, you're entering into a covenant. And because we are in sin... And because we are dominated by our senses, in fact, can I just say, this is a doctrinal statement, so just listen to me. When you are dominated by your senses, or in other words, when you're in sin, you are of the nature of Satan. That's what the Bible says, that's not Kevin. Because that was the the problem with Satan himself. He was dominated by his senses and his selfishness and his needs. But you need to hear this, our senses are what gives us grief. It's what gives us sorrow. It's what gives us pain, disease, infirmity, sickness, bondage. We're not lost, folks, this morning because of what we do. We're lost because of who we are. We are dominated by our senses. Jesus came, I told you last week, he who had no sin. He had no sin. Therefore, he had no sense of lack. He had no sense of being limited. He had no sense of being restrained. He had no sense of the impossible. He was not dominated by his eyes and by his nose and by his tastes. He was a master of sickness and disease. He was free from being controlled by his senses. He wasn't afraid of the adversary. He faced Satan without fear. There was no sense of unworthiness or intimidation. When Jesus came along, he spoke to storms and they stilled. He looked at water and said, hold me up. He took a little boy's lunch and he multiplied it for thousands of people. He healed the sick. He raised up the dead even after they stunk for four days in a tomb. He destroyed yokes. He set prostitutes free. He walked this earth like no mere man and we, he became sin in order that we might become him. We exchanged what's taking place. So I want you to get this. Are you forgiven in this exchange? Absolutely. Have you passed through judgment in order to be received into eternal life? Absolutely. But this is the part we don't get, especially in America. We exchanged with the son in order that you and I might become a son and a daughter of God. Amen. And this is the point I'm going to leave you with today. This is the cross. That's why we preach the cross. What else do I have to offer you today? I haven't got a cappuccino machine yet. I don't have that. I guess I could get someone to go get Krispy Kreme. Maybe there'd be a few people come out for Krispy Kreme. Maybe I could get some better technology. Probably do. I know what we could do. We could, we could, we could just make it a light show. And, and, and you know what? And there's going to be a day we'll have one. 
But we are going to have a light show before we get the light show. This is the part I'm going to leave you with today, and I'm done. I have heard now for preaching the gospel almost three decades. I've heard many an invitation that has been given to people in churches with the ending that went something like this. Why don't you make Jesus a part of your life? Why don't you make Jesus a part of your life? It's almost like they're saying, try him out. Give him a test drive. You know what I call it? I call it incremental spirituality. It's kind of like going to the pool and going, that's cold. I'll try that again. Whoa, that's cold. Oh. I'm just going to wait here till I'm used to this. All right, I think that ankle's used to it. Oh, God, that's cold. Have you ever seen anybody in a pool like that? That's how some people think they can come to Jesus. And then when it gets to, well, I tried it, but that's just a little too cold, cold for me. Well, okay, I'll let it sit there for a while. Well, how come this isn't working? <laughs> Made him a part of my life. How come I'm not all wet like the Bible says I'm supposed to be? Are you seeing it? Try him out. Make him a part of your life. Can I, I'm just going to say it and be done with it. Make, make sure this one makes it on the recording. Jesus is not interested, nor is it possible for you to make him a part of your life. He's, he's not an add-on. He's, he's not like your soccer matches. You just kind of add that onto your schedule. He's not like a vacation that just gets added on into your year. He's not like this club that sort of gets added on into your life. You don't exchange one-fourth of yourself in order that you can get all of him. You can't even exchange a half for a half. You can't give him three quarters and expect everything. He gave it all. He died completely. This covenant is everything. You give him all of you in order that you can receive all of him. Christianity is not a betterment program. It is a way of life. He is in you. When Jesus died, listen to me, when he died, all of creation shook. There was an earthquake. The skies were blackened. There were all sorts of creation manifestations that took place on the day that Christ died. The most notable thing, I think, of all was the fact that the veil in the temple, in the Holy of Holies, the place that was reserved only for the Ark of the Covenant, the very presence of God, they considered that Ark to be. And the most notable event was when Christ died and he finally gave up his spirit, 
And he said, it is finished. And the earth shook and the clouds came in and all of creation shuddered. It was at that moment that the Bible tells us the veil was rent. It was ripped from top to bottom in the Holy of Holies. And it suddenly fell. And all of a sudden that, that ark was exposed. Literally to the whole earth. And the traditional concept of preaching at this point is, is that's a symbol. It was a symbol, Pastor, of us moving into the Father's presence. We no longer need a high priest to go in for us. We no longer need to, to get our best bull, our best goat, our best turtle dove. We no longer have to bring our best animals. We no longer have to march our way off to wherever our Mecca is and do a pilgrimage in order to get into the temple and into the presence of God. But it says in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19, once we embrace him the Bible says that you and I become that temple we become that temple and this is the part that I want you to get this morning the veil was rent top to bottom which means we have access into the very presence of God but I want to suggest this to you it's a very simple point but it's very important and this is the point that in that very act not only were we allowed to come into the most holy place but I believe that the moment that veil was rent top to bottom somehow some way God was released from his limitations and he came into the earth from that time forward in a way that has been never known before. In order to do what had never been done before. In order to manifest himself all around this earth like he never could before. I, I'm not here to debate to you what could happen in Old Covenant, New Covenant, and how did God limit himself and restrain himself. All I'm telling you is this. When that veil was rent, it let you in and it got him out. And right now I'm telling for some of you right now, there's a veil in your temple that needs rent. And the only reason it hadn't been rent is because you hadn't embraced the fullness of the cross. And as soon as that's rent in your heart, all of a sudden God will suddenly swoop out. And you'll begin to do what only he can do. Are you with me? And that won't happen until we one more time, kiss the cross. Until one more time we lay hold of it and we get our handful of splinters. One more time when we say, Lord, all of me, all of me, not one bit. I may, if, I don't, if I don't get it all, then I'm giving you all I get. And the minute I get anything else, it's all yours. It's all yours. Because it will be at that moment the Lord says, I'll give you everything I've got. Listen to me. He's not looking for you to get your life cleaned up. Hear me. This isn't about you getting yourself cleaned up so you can do this. This is the whole point. I don't, you may be the dirtiest, filthiest sinner here. You may do it boldly and without regret. You may be someone in here who has secret sins and no one would even guess. And so you kind of kept it in the background. There may be some of you in here that you've just done religion and you've just, you've just locked yourself into this religious way of doing everything, but it hadn't made a distinguishable difference in your life. I'm just here to share with you, I don't care who you are at what place you're at, the whole deal is this. You come and you cast it all upon him and he gives you all there is of himself. And that's where it has to start. It can't start with exotic revelation until it starts with foundational revelation. And my question today isn't, do you know about the cross? Do you have information about the cross? 
Do you understand all there is about the cross? My question is this. Has it been unveiled to you to the place where you're willing to embrace it and say all of me for all of him? All of me for all of him. Would you stand with me? Holy Spirit, this is the place where we come and teach and then we yield to you. Because you're the only one that can ultimately work in a man's heart. You're the one that tore that, that veil originally from top to bottom. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Lord, that, that you would begin to open people's eyes at this very moment. Lord, that you would begin to let them see the potential and the possibility. And Lord, yes, their need for embracing you in a way they've never done before. Lord, I don't want this resurrection season to escape us as the people of God from, from embracing everything it is that you have done for us. Lord, right now, I, I, I know, I know, I know there are folks, Lord, that, that want so badly for God to live big in their life. They want so badly for the Lord to arise in, in, in their life and in their circumstances and, and do powerful, supernatural things. I know there are people in this place right now, Lord, that so want that. They want their own personal freedom. They want their, their, own, their own personal destinies and their personal purposes. But Lord, I pray right now that somehow they would understand that, that they've got to cast it all. Cast it all. To take that incredible step that says, I want, I want all of him. And to get all of him, I, I, I got to give him all of me. Come on, don't put your feet in the pool this morning and test the waters. I'm not asking you to test the waters. I'm asking some of you to just stand on the edge and dive in head first. I think that's the best. Just get it over with. Get it over with all at once. Just dive in, dive in and say, yes, Lord, that's me. And again, I, I, I don't care. Little, big, I don't care how you rate it. It's, it's, it's about getting every door open. Every aspect nailed on the cross. Every bit of who you are. Not just what you do, but who you are. Come on, I don't know about you, but I got to a place when I was tired of saying, this must just, this must just be me. It's just, you know what? After a while, God wants to deal with just you. It's just you. He can change you. He really can change you. I understand. I, I'm not a perfect person, but I'm not who I was. And I keep, as soon as the door is open, I'm casting it upon him. So Holy Spirit right now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, Holy Spirit, I ask you to go open down aisles through the seats. And, and Lord, this morning... As we're moving towards the resurrection day, Lord, let us, let us be able to truly celebrate that day by making sure we have completely embraced this day. Do you know that there weren't many disciples? In fact, it was just the women that hung around the cross. Isn't that interesting? I found that to be true through history. It's mostly women who hang around the cross. Guys, I'm talking to some guys. It is time that guys embrace the cross. I understand the guys were in the upper room. The guys were in the streets. Sure, they were. But guys, we need to be the ones at the cross. So I, I'm really challenging guys, too. There weren't many guys at the cross at Golgotha's Hill. Just soldiers spitting at him, crucifying him. Just the women embracing the cross. 
It's amazing. It was the women who first found him resurrected too. Isn't that amazing? Guys, I, I, I told some of my leaders the other day, I am praying. I am praying and interceding that God raises up an army of men. I, I, I love, I love the people of God as they are engendered in the women. <laughs> women are important. But I'm praying, I'm, I'm just sorry, I'm in a season, I'm praying for men. 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 Godly men. That they would, that he would raise up an army that, that I could link shields with and they could link up and that we just get hundreds of men. Hundreds, I said, with an S. Hundreds of men linked up, ready to go to battle. Because they know who they are and they know who's in them and they're ready to do it. So yeah, I'm kind of picking on the guys the last moment or two. But guys, you're worth it. I love you. And I see great potential in all of you. But you got to embrace the cross. The rules don't change for you. The rules don't change for you. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Big sin, little sin. It may be the most minutest of things that if you were to share it with someone else, they'd look at you and say, what is the big deal? It's a big deal because God is speaking to you about it. And it becomes your big deal. To him who knows what is right and does not do it, James 4, 17, to him it is sin. Come on now, I'm talking. One's already come. It's a guy. God bless you, John. God bless you. I'm talking to men or women, big or little. It doesn't matter. If you need to come to the cross today and just say, before I go, I want to embrace the cross. I'm going to embrace the cross one more time. I want the veil rent in my heart. I want God to explode out of my life and explode into the earth. And in my current condition, it isn't going to happen. It isn't going to happen. It isn't going to happen. Come on, it's okay. We love you. Don't think for one minute. It, it, I don't care. I don't care what you've done. Come share with me the most egregious thing. And I'm going to look at you and say the cross can fix it. I, I'm, we are not going to alienate. I'll tell you how we won't alienate people. I don't care how many folks you slept with, how many days out of the year you've been drunk. I don't care. You may be a murderer, a thief. It doesn't matter. The cross can fix it. It can f really fix it. Really fix it. We're going to see people that are really screwed up, folks. And we can't look at them and say they can be free if we ain't free. Come on now. I want you to be free. God wants you to be free. Do you want to be free? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just, just embrace the cross. You know how it works. Some of you know exactly how it works. What do you do? You confess. Confess your sin. Confess it before the Lord. Cast it upon Him. Cast it. Don't, don't, don't just say, forgive it, Lord, and just let it dangle out there. Say, I cast, I cast my fornication. I cast my drunkenness. I cast my wickedness. I cast my lying. I cast, I cast it upon you, oh God. Forgive me. I cast it upon you. He became that sin. He became that sin and all your sin. That you might become the righteousness of God. And as you cast it upon him. You say forgive me Lord. I repent. I repent. I turn. I turn from this. And Lord I receive your righteousness. This righteousness that can cleanse. This righteousness that can empower. This righteousness that can raise me up. In order to live differently from this time forward. I'm not coming down here. 
one more time just to be forgiven and walk away the same person. I want, I want an encounter with the cross that, that I turn away from and I become different somehow, some way. I'm different. I'm different. I'm different. Come on, everybody in the house is praying. If you don't, if you aren't there, don't feel like God's talking to you, that's cool. I'm glad if you're there. But you can pray and intercede in the house right now. Come on, let's pray and intercede right now. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit's faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, that you're working in people's hearts and lives and you're talking to them and that veils are being rent right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. He became sin, your sin. In order that you might become the righteousness of God. Don't give them half of it. Don't give them three quarters of it even. That would be great in a lot of people's eyes. But you need to give him everything you got. And he'll turn and give you all that he's got. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want everyone together, everybody in the house, everybody down front. I want everybody to pray right now. And I'm just going to lead you. You link up your sincerity and you link up your genuineness and your heartfelt, your heartfelt need and cry right now that's coming out of your inner man. You just link it up with what I'm going to pray and we're all going to pray it together. And it's going to be more than just ritual. It's going to be more than just mimicking. We're going to believe for a transforming moment. Come on, we're going to preach transformation. You're going to be different. You're going to be changed. It's not going to be like it was. You're not walking out of church today like you did in days past. We're believing that this day is a different day. This is a new day. Something new is going on that never has happened before. So let's pray together and say, dear Jesus, you've been unveiled to me. I see what you provided. And I embrace it. I choose to cast my sin upon you. Forgive me. I repent from it. And I receive all there is of you. I hold nothing back. And I have every confidence that you'll hold nothing back. And in this moment of covenant transfer, of an exchange taking place, that you're living in me like you've never lived before. The veil of my heart is being torn. I am grateful I can access you. But now I ask that you'd live through me. That you'd live big. And the world could see. And my marriage could see. And my family could see. And my school could see. And my business could see. That all could see. The glory of God. That's now in me. I believe it's happening. Your word said so. And I receive it. In Jesus name. Can you say amen? Amen. Can you give the Lord a hand now? Praise God. Amen.
Just hang with me. Just hang down here for just a minute. Let's just tarry for just a moment before we go. In, in the coming weeks, now we're going we're gonna to finish this process because, because next week we're going to talk about the Lord getting the keys. He spent three days and three nights in the earth in Sheol, in the ground, actually went to hell for you. We're going to talk about that. Resurrection Sunday is coming. And, 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 and when you enter into all of this congregation, when you enter into this, suddenly the resurrection becomes so much more powerful. Because, because if all it is is forgiveness and you misjudgment, then the resurrection is going, well, that's a good end of the story, I guess. And, and I, and I love Mel Brooks, uh, Mel Brooks, Mel Gibson and what he did with regards to the passion of the Christ. But you notice there was about, about this much in that whole movie about the resurrection. Because it had to deal with the passion and I respect that and, and it's been used mightily. But, but we need to understand the resurrection was when, when Jesus burst out and hear me now, what he did, you shall do. Now, there'll be a day all of us, when he comes, will burst out of graves and will be received in the air. I, I understand that. But that resurrection power, I'm telling you, it's, it's what happened on the day of Pentecost. That life suddenly manifested. That's incredible. But that life never manifested until we got back to the cross. You're in perfect position right now. I want you all to know you are in a perfect position right now for God to do some incredible things. You know, the cross is kind of a somber thing, but I want you to go away with, from this place with great hope because you have perfectly positioned yourself for an incredible power encounter. You believe that? You got to believe that, man. The power of the cross. This is foolishness to the world, but to us who are being saved, this is the power of God. Amen. Hear me, congregation. This is the power of God. That's why we preach the cross. Paul said, I preach Christ crucified. Some people are going to stumble over that. And some people are going to think it's silly. But to us who know, this is the power of God. This is the power of God. So we're just going to keep preaching the power of God in the cross. Amen. Come on now. The cross is reason to celebrate. Praise the name of the Lord. So, Father, right now, over this congregation, I thank you for each life that's here. Lord, I thank you for their commitments, both to this local church, to me, to Trace, Lord, to this ministry. I thank you, Lord, that, that they are here because they want all that you've got for them. Lord, I know that. I know, Lord, they aren't perfect folk any more than their pastors are perfect people. But, Lord, we're pursuing you. We're after you. We want you. And Lord, you're doing something unique and special in these days. Lord, lead us up to Resurrection Sunday. Lord, cause Resurrection Sunday to have an explosion of miracles. Right now, who needs healed right now? Something in your body is not right, but you need a healing right now. Right now. Okay, you guys, if, if you're here, slip down. If you're needing a healing right now, I was just about ready to say amen and cut you loose. And the Lord said, I'm going to heal bodies right now. Just let them slip on down. I'm going to speak healing. Lift your hands if you need a healing right now to the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, if you're needing healed, come on down right now. I need healed. I need healed. The, the, the Lord just said, don't let them go. The cross is in full-blown sight in front of their eyes. This is a healing moment. Come on, lift your hands. I... You know, last week I touched you and that sometimes is what to do. But the Lord said, just speak a word right now. Lift your hands. He's going to heal your body right now. Jimmy, he's going to heal your body right now. He's going to keep pressing and, 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 and healing your body. Father, in the name of Jesus, I release healing over these men, over these women. In Jesus' name, we send forth the healing word. In Jesus' name, the healing word. 
Lord, for aches and pains. Lord, for, for chronic acute illnesses in Jesus' name. We release healing in people's bodies right now, Lord. Let the power of the cross be manifested right now in Jesus' name to be healed in this man right here in Jesus' name. In G Lord, I command his body to respond right now. Respond in the name of Jesus, Lord. In the name of Jesus, do it, Lord. Heal that mend this body right now. Loose, Lord. Loose him from infirmity and disease and the chronicness of it, Lord. Be loosed right now. And we speak healing. We continue to speak healing in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Heal these bodies. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that you're doing that right now. That you're doing that. You're mending. You're mending. You're mending. You're mending. You're mending. You're mending. Hallelujah. You're mending. Hallelujah. I believe I have a word for you, Jimmy. I, I just, uh, the Lord just said, you know, you're in the, you're in the agriculture business, planning business, landscaping business. And so a lot of what you do has to deal with, with growing and blossoming. And, and the Lord just said, declare over that man that there's going to be a blossoming of things. The Lord says, I'm going to blossom you personally, that he's blossoming you. I mean, I mean, there's a lot of uh, business things that we could talk about and I may, but there's a blossoming that's happening in you. God, God says, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to blossom you this year. He says it's starting in the springtime when things begin to blossom. He says, you're going to find a, 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 an influence, a, a blossoming into some new areas. Don't limit it, says the Lord, even to areas that you've been used to, conventional areas. But the Lord says, I'm going to blossom you in some things you've never considered before. And, and it's, and it's going to arise. Nothing you've done, nothing you've pressed, nothing you've had to kick down in order to get into. But the Lord says, watch as I begin to to blossom and, and, and I begin to expand and I begin to enlarge. I'm going to enlarge you first, says the Lord. Then as I enlarge you to receive, I'm going to enlarge that which is around you. And the Lord says there's coming into a season. I, I, I believe this next year or two is going to be very important because as you're being enlarged in so many areas, God says you're going to watch me expand some things round about you that will include areas of business, but it will include far more than just business as usual. But the Lord says I'm going to expand your influence I'm going to expand your ability to, to, to touch in different areas. There's, there's a breakthrough in an area that can, that can help people, really help people in, in some things, causing them, I, we're talking about a significant, almost like an allergy issue that, that God says, I'm going to give you a witty idea and you're going to actually help people avoid allergies and, and congestions. And I don't, this almost sounds like you'd be a doctor, but the Lord says, I'm going to do something that's going to help you show people and talk to people about how they can avoid uh, sicknesses even because of the allergy thing. Amazing word. I never could have even imagined that. But God says, watch as I do this incredible thing in, in this area. And, and, and as you move through the spring and in the summer, you're going to begin to notice that. And the Lord says, I'll bring this moment back to you. I'll bring this word back to you. And you'll remember and say, this was that which the prophet said in order that I might be prepared for this very moment. And don't be fearful, says the Lord. Don't be frightened. For yes, I will bring you through it. I will bring you to it. And the Lord says, I will do it. And many will even come and say, Jimmy, how is 
is it that you do this thing? We run a business just like yours. And you'll say, I don't know. It was just the Lord that began to blossom this thing. And I'm just trying to move with it. And you will watch me, says the Lord, do this thing. And many will be touched and many will be blessed because of that which I am doing even this hour, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Hope you remember that, man. (laughs) Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Come on, right now, the Lord's just saying, because you've honored, because you've honored me, says the Lord. And because you've embraced the foolishness of the cross. And because you have allowed me, says the Lord, to move in you in another dimension. I will come through you in another dimension, says the Lord. For I speak over each one of you and I tell you this day that you will see breakthrough in areas that have been held up. You will begin to move through those areas that have withstood you. Those doors that were once locked will begin to swing open. Yes, says the Lord, even those things which were closed up and you have walked away from, I will bring you around again and you will watch me by my power begin to open that door. You will see me do this because of my power in you, says the Lord. If I had opened that door, there would have been a part of you that would have still said that was me. But I declare to you this day, I am doing that which only I can do, says the Lord. For my glory is coming in a new dimension. It will be released in a greater portion. And all will see it and they will know it is not a church and it is not a person. It is not anyone natural, but it will be me, says the Lord. And they will come and they will find their deliverance and they will find their healing. And they will find their answer because of that which I am doing even in you. So be prepared, says the Lord. Be on your toes spiritually. For I am going to begin this thing even as this word comes forth. Even as we move through this season on your earthly calendar, I will begin to do this thing and you will see a significant increase personally and you will see a significant increase even in your midst, says the Lord, because of what I am endeavoring to do. And you will say, all I have done is embrace the cross. All I have done is embraced my Lord. All I have done is given him all of me and now all of him has come to me. Watch me as I do this, says the Lord, and I will not disappoint. And yea, though your spirit has felt broken and even sick, says the Lord, because your hope has been deferred, I tell you now that your hope is being manifested, your hope is coming into realization, and I am doing it in this hour so that all may see who I am, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, you know every person here. Lord, there's an atmosphere we could just prophesy till, till tonight. But Lord, right now, help them, help your people right now to lay hold of their hope. Help them right now, Lord, to just link up their faith. And the, the revelation, the unveiling, Lord, of what you provided in the cross moment. Lord, it's not even the whole story yet. It boggles our mind. We're not, we're not even getting the whole story yet. But yet just this part of the story, powerful. Lord, help your people right now to to, to cast all their dashed hopes, their discouragements, all the things that didn't come to pass when they thought it should, the disappointments in people, the attitudes that accompanied it. Lord, we cast it upon the cross right now. 
We just get rid of it. And we receive again from you, Lord, that righteous imagination and the hope that you will bring to pass every word, every, every picture that you have sent. No question about it. Lord, as I dismiss your people this day, they are your people. As I dismiss them this day, I pray, Lord, that, that 